Our scripture reading today is Psalm 145 from the New International Version, a psalm of praise of David. Hear now the word of the Lord. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. What a joy it is to be back with you. I say back with you because, well, he's already told you I've been married 42 years, so if you do the math, you might not uh, be surprised that I was here in 1973-74 for my freshman year across the street. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to walk in and see that this congregation is alive and well. So it's great to be with you today. Thank you, Pastor Matt, for the invitation. And I'm glad to be able to step into such a beautiful sermon series called Poetry in Motion. I love the Psalms, and I just could hardly decide which one to pick. There are so many good ones. But, you know, let's think about this. Let's go to the first slide. I've learned a lot from children, not just by teaching them, but because Jesus said that if we want to be great in his kingdom... We have to humble ourselves and be more like them. So I've, I think I'm younger than I was 11 years ago. I've become more like them. But remember this table, Grace? Many of us learned this when we were children. I calculated that I've actually said this prayer over a meal thousands of times. So if you have, let's do it together. God is great. God is good. 
let us thank him for our food. By his hand we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Do you know that this comes out of this psalm? Now, when I was a kid, I was a little nitpicky about the fact that good and food don't exactly rhyme in American English. So I was trying to figure out if we were supposed to say God is, you know, good food. No, good and food. No. Okay, so that's how kids' minds start to do it when you've done it 10,000 times. <laughs> but the beauty is that this psalm comes from, this prayer comes from this psalm. Let's look at the next one. The other thing about this psalm that I learned just this week is that it's an acrostic. If I knew Hebrew and if I read the psalm in Hebrew, it would be like Aleph and it would go right down. So, you know, acrostics, this is a classroom in Ethiopia. And this is something that has happened to me many times in the last 11 years as I have visited 40 countries to see the children. There is an acrostic. A is for apple. Now, these children don't know any other English than this poem. A is for apple, B is for ball, C is for cat, D is for dog, E is for elephant, F is for fox, all the way to Z is for zebra, with a big smile. And then I get to applaud because they've learned a little English and they've learned the English alphabet, even though these children in Ethiopia would first learn the Amharic alphabet, which I can't ever quote. But this psalm is arranged like some poetry. And in fact, as you know, now that we're adults, we know that all poems don't rhyme. But one way to form a poem is to use an acrostic, and the psalmists love to do it. Now let's look at the beginning of this psalm, 145. It begins with a promise to praise. It says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Now here's what I have learned in my own life. If my intention is to praise God forever, if I believe that the trajectory of my life will be upward so that I'm drawn to the lofty reality of who this God is who is high and lifted up, I will never praise him eternally if I don't do it daily. And not just daily, but I've got to tell you something, first thing in the morning. And I've learned that it's possible to drift. I'll tell you that a few years ago, when we all started getting all the new devices on our smartphones, and we got apps, and we got push notifications on our news, do you know what happened to me? I'm just confessing. I would wake up in the morning, and I would pick up that little thing, and I would see about 14 outrageous things that happened while I was sleeping. So the first thought in the morning is to start pickling in the juices of worry and concern and outrage and anxiety over things I can't do anything about, at least not before coffee. <laughs> Why did I expose my mind to that? So then about a year ago, I just said, enough of this. I am not going to pickle in the juices of outrage before I even get out of bed. <sighs> and so I turned off all my push notifications. You know, I can see the news a couple times a day. Like, my parents used to watch it at 6 and 11, right? Twice a day is probably enough. What do I want to put my mind on? And here's what I have discovered. When I allow the psalms and the hymns and the contemporary praise songs to lift me up, I'm better off. I'm already better before the day starts and throughout the day there's a song of praise on my lips. 
Do you know, Bonnie could testify to this. This morning, I woke up singing, Come the fount of every blessing. Teach my heart to sing thy grace. I was going to turn to page 45 and show you those beautiful words, and we just sang it. Now, here's what I know. My parents both had Alzheimer's, and my mom, for the last few months of her life, could not string together any words to make an English sentence. But if we started a hymn... She knew all four verses, and she sang the alto. So we put a few hymnals in her room because those poems were so deeply lodged in her psyche, in her identity, in her mind, that nothing could take them away, not even Parkinson's and dementia. They were still there. They were the foundational truth and reality that she could still affirm when she couldn't even tell you what she had for breakfast five minutes ago. There she was, alive to eternal realities. And you know how it comforted us? Because we wanted her to praise God eternally, and we knew she was pretty close to eternity. But she was still praising God even in this state. So when she breathed her last, we had no doubt that the next breath she draws, if we breathe in heaven, will be filled with wonder, love, and praise. So I'm just telling you, go along with the psalmist. Let the psalmist teach you that you can't praise God for eternity if you don't praise God daily. So take this as your steady diet. Immerse yourself in the scriptures and in praise. I use an app, and I found out that Bishop Matt used the same one called Pray As You Go. And every morning I get about 12 or 13 minutes, and, and it starts off with a scripture. Well, it starts with a song in any of a dozen or two languages, which is kind of a nice reminder that I'm not the only one bowing before the Lord this morning. They're doing it all over the world in all different languages. And then there's a scripture. And then there's a few Ignatian questions to ponder the scripture. And then the scripture again. And then the Te Deum in a few voices together. Not in perfect unison so you can hear them all. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. And I can confirm that out loud with those others on my phone. All of a sudden, the phone turned into a good thing. All right, enough of that. The first big theme of the psalmist is that God is great. We can't even fathom his greatness, it says in verses 3 to 6. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. How fully do we really believe in the greatness of God? It comes back to that anxiety I was referring to a couple of minutes ago. Do we really believe that our God is on the throne room, on the throne of the universe? That there will be a final victory into which we all will be caught up? We say those words at communion. We read those words. I'm going to remind you of a little passage that you've heard of many times from Corinthians. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 26. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. 
for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed as death. Do we believe that Jesus reigns? Do we believe he is king? That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to confess it today. I don't want to wait until then. I want to bow the knee and recognize his greatness now and learn to fathom it. Let's fathom his greatness. And then going on, the glorious splendor of your majesty is what we know, the power of your awesome works and your great deeds. And then he says, one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Okay, now I'm going to just pause here for a moment because this is near and dear to my heart now. God wants us and calls us to pass the torch from one generation to the next. He expects that families will be the primary way that the next generation will see modeled the love of God, the reality of who God is and how the world actually is. And so don't forget, don't drop the ball on this most important task. When we have children, and then I'm going to say that there are neighborhood kids, there are children in Sunday school who are not your own biological children, but there is a special calling to make sure that we reach them because one generation tells the, the next. From Deuteronomy 6, right after the Ten Commandments have been given, and we don't have it on the screen, but just listen to how often it comes up. that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The first thing we do to pass it on to our kids is to have that love ourselves so that it's not just words and rules. We are modeling passionate, wholehearted worship and devotion to God. And then he said, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. This is to be a part of our daily conversation, isn't it? This is what we are supposed to do to tell the story over and over. The story must be told compellingly over and over so that God's action in human history are part of our story. You know, in Deuteronomy, it says, God brought us through the Red Sea. Well, the people speaking to their children were actually another generation later, but it was still us because the story was our story. We begin to live into this heritage, this legacy, this history, and we want our children to find their primary identity and belonging to this family. Do you know about the 414 window? Almost 80% of the people who ever give their hearts to Christ for salvation do it between the ages of 4 and 14. People, this is low-hanging fruit. We better grab it quick before it drops to the ground and rots. The Lord has given a window in the lives of human beings in our spirits when we are open to spiritual things, but not just the truth, other spiritual things as well. So parents... Grandparents, I'm just reminding you, it's a high calling to be sure that our children's hearts are knit together with God in a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, there's intense competition these days 
Now, you can barely see the screen in there, but these kids in the country of Myanmar, I don't know if I can say that online, uh, are watching Tom and Jerry. <laughs> if only the cartoons were as innocent as Tom and Jerry. <laughs> but you know what it is, even on their phones now. Hero worship has big competition, you know. It used to be cool that David and Goliath, David, David slew Goliath with just a slingshot, and you could read that out of a Bible story book, and, and, and that was hero. There was a hero there. But now, even comic book characters that just used to be colored ink on cheap paper, now they come to life on a big screen. And the children, as they're modeling themselves after someone, have an awful lot of models out there to choose from. We're the gatekeepers, folks. Let's do whatever we can so that convincingly and compellingly our children know the truth and we live it together. The best fiction, you know, the best classic and contemporary stories tell the truth through fiction, right? And so sometimes fiction ignites the imagination to perceive truth in richer and deeper ways than even nonfiction. So I'm not saying there aren't any good stories to read your kids. There are many good stories. Good storytelling for kids and adults reveals reality and helps us understand life in deeper ways. So let's just watch our diet okay, so that we can be the ones who pass the generational torch. And then, don't forget the Bible stories themselves. These are the boys are from, they're Fulani, Nigeria boys, and Phyllis Sorter is, probably took this picture, and several, this was six years ago, popped on my Facebook page six years ago, these little Muslim boys on a Sunday afternoon in Nigeria said, tell us a Bible story. Because they already knew that Phyllis was a great storyteller. So they, was hoping, they were hoping I could do a good job. I'm, I mean, next to Phyllis, I don't know anybody who can tell a story. But these boys were wrapped their attention to hear, maybe for the first time, some of the Bible stories. Okay, so I told them about the baby Moses, you know. And the amazing thing about this story, now that I see it with fresh eyes, is that it has the funniest sentence in the Bible in it. When the baby Moses is handed back to his own mother... And the Pharaoh's daughter says, take this child and nurse him for me and I will pay your wages. Where does the Pharaoh's daughter get her money? From daddy. And now this baby that Pharaoh thought should die is going to grow up in Pharaoh's palace and he's going to eat Pharaoh's food and he's going to go to Pharaoh's school so that God can raise up a great leader who will let my people go. You know, it's a powerful story. Look at the details and see little 12-year-old Miriam hiding in the bulrushes and then jumping out to be brave and offer you know, I mean, the Bible stories themselves can grab the kids' hearts. Let's look at this one. These children are in Umri, India. And I was there, and a couple little boys said to me right at dusk, Auntie, tell us a Bible story. So I sat down, and all of a sudden, at 6 o'clock, the lights go off. And we're sitting in the pitch black with a bunch of children on the floor and me sitting down and thinking, have I ever had a group of American children ask me for a Bible story? Like on their own time? It wasn't even Sunday school. I was just sitting in a home with children on the floor and a woman just lit a candle in a sconce on the wall and then it was my time to tell a story. So I thought about the boy Samuel and how God called to him, Samuel, Samuel. And he ran to Eli and said, did you, did you call? I heard your voice. No, it wasn't. Go back to bed. Samuel, Samuel. Runs in there, Eli, I heard you. No, it wasn't me. The third time, right? Eli said, and then I said to the children, what did Eli tell Samuel to say? 
And a little boy said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I said, they know the story. These actually were the children of the ambulance driver at Umri Hospital. But they knew the story. And I realized at that moment that my heart was with theirs because I could say, I heard Jesus calling my voice, Linda. And Jesus will call your name like he called Samuel's name. Let's let our imaginations help the children get into the Bible stories themselves. And that picture, by the way, is from a book I ripped off from Bonnie and Arnie. It's Children of God Storybook Bible, and it's filled with glorious photos to aid the imagination of children. I recommend it. Okay, commercial over. The next point that the psalmist goes into is that God is good. Now, there is a God in this world who's all about greatness and not about goodness. If God is only great, he is to be feared and nothing else. But here's the truth. God is great and the same God is good to the core. Do you celebrate that? I heard a kind of amen back there. Don't forget, celebrate the abundant goodness of God. This is the best news possible that the God who is great is also good. Greatness without goodness would make him terrible and only to be feared. Power without love is not a good thing. But this good news in Psalm 145 reminds us that God is also good. The third one is that God is gracious. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. This is good news. Our God is compassionate. His heart is tender toward the suffering and the vulnerable. The widows and orphans are especially on his radar. This is our good God. When we cry out to him, he hears and he answers. He is a God who's all about provision. In fact, verse 15 was a song that I sang in my high school choir that made me love this psalm forever. It was Randall Thompson arrangement in the King James, but it is, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. The next verse says, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Isn't it beautiful? It's poetic. It's ideal. And then, but what? Do you know the world we live in? There are people starving. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing, but what about this? The eyes of all wait upon you and you give them their food at the proper time, but people, I've been to countries where kids haven't eaten between Friday and Monday when they had school lunch. I've been to Haiti that's 98% deforested so there are no nutrients left in the cropland so that they can be productive. See, God created this big, beautiful world and seed-bearing plants and all kinds of good, fertile land. But you know what? We human beings have done some horrible things. The desertification of Africa is just, it's terrible to watch on a map how it's creeping southward, that huge desert. Or in Brazil, you know, we're just ripping out the rainforests for other purposes. And the planet is groaning. And we all are experiencing consequences through global warming. And people who should be receiving their daily bread are crying out and praying for their daily bread. And sometimes it isn't there. And we have to ask, is that God's fault? 
You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Now I'm telling you that he calls us to step into that place of stewards of creation. Creation care to do what we can to participate with him. So that when people pray, give us this day our daily bread, there's an answer. So I want to show you a two and a half minute video of one tiny uh, example of how we can step in and do our part so that when the eyes of all wait upon the Lord, he gives them their food in the proper time. Every time I hear Craig Erickson say millions of trees, I get a huge smile on my face because we get to be a part of the solution for answering the people's prayers. And this one is a long-term one, so I'm just excited to know that we get to participate with God. Moving toward the end of this psalm, in verse 17, it says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and loving in all his... Uh, this, I have an older version. Let me read yours. Gracious God is righteous, loving, and near to all who call on him in truth. Let's keep going. Psalm 145 ends where it begins, with the promise to praise always and daily. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Now, sometimes... Kids think that creatures are like, you know, something from the dark lagoon. No. Every created being who finds its life because there is a creator God is designed to praise him back. When I was a child, we had another song. The birds upon the treetops sing this song. The angels chant the chorus all day long. The flowers in the garden blend their hue. So why shouldn't I, why shouldn't you praise him too? Let's teach our children that all creation sings praise to God. And we are invited not to be the only creatures on the planet who rebel against that, but to put ourselves in line with the beauty of creation and the praise that God has placed in our spirits to lift us up. Because you know what happens? When we use our mouth to speak his praise, it lifts our head. And we begin to think on the loftier things. And our lives are drawn into daily praise that carries us right through to eternal praise. So praise the Lord with me. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. <laughs>